0: Well, good morning. Oh, sorry, 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 Jan. Am I supposed to do this? Yep, yep, you are, yep. Would you stand as we read God's Word together this morning?
1: If you open your copy of Scriptures to Joshua, the first chapter, I will read it for you. uh, Then we'll let Joel go to town. (laughs) Joshua, chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Word to you.
0: You may be seated. Well, hey, it is good to finally be here with you after all of these months of transition. Yes, yes. It is finally good to be here. I'm going to introduce to you again because some of you might not have been here the first time that I was here. So Becca, my dear long-suffering- No, no, you can stand up there, sweetheart. <laughs> And she is the reason that you will put up with me. It's because of of her. But it is good to finally be here. And we have been in a a time of transition, haven't we? For Beck and I, uh, we have been in transition from Hong Kong to here. And uh, only God could have arranged that. And then a transition... Back to, I got to be careful because my folks are listening to this, back to living at home with my folks after 40 years of being out of the house and then moving back in to live with your parents. Yeah, you want to go through that? It's a bit of a transition and then transitioning from here, to from from uh, from overseas in Asia to living in Sheboygan. And living, and doing, living in a, a smaller home, when we moved from America to Hong Kong, we lived in a 2,800 square foot house with an acre of backyard and a half acre of front yard, and now we live in a condominium. But there are pluses and minuses to that, lots of pluses. I don't have to shovel snow anymore. I don't have to worry about taking care of the yard. They'll take care of the leaves and whatever. So it's, it's good. It has its good points. But then also transitioning to a new church. You guys have had an amazing shepherd for the last 13 years. And now today you're looking and saying, who's this Yitz? You know, what's, you know who's this guy? And what right does he have to come and speak? And, and I come because God called us here. Amen. And that was very, very clear. That was the only reason that we would have left Hong Kong. And I'm going to tell you about that in a little bit. But God called us here. And some of you are in transition too. I mean, we transitioned from uh, one church over its outside to being here. You've transitioned from a a pastor that's been here for 13 years to now a new pastor. Some of you are transitioning in your life. Some of you have a new child in your life. And and you're wondering, what happened to my freedom? What happened to sleep? I, I can't even remember a good night's rest. Some of you are transitioning from being healthy to all of a sudden, you're not healthy. Some of you are transitioning from one job to a different job, or from one job to no job. And we're seeing our country in a position of transition again. And what do we do in the, in the midst of these transitions? And just with one word, one, one, okay, with one word, it's, it's important to listen to everything. It's, with one word, when you hear the word transition, what comes to mind? John, what comes to mind? Oh, John, your voice is changed. <laughs> Change, okay. What else comes to mind? Newness. Newness. Yuck. <laughs> Yuck! That's a... opportunity. Opportunity, okay. What else? Patience. Patience. Uncertainty. Uncertainty. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of words, and, you know, some of you, yuck, I maybe translate that as painful. Because are transitions painful? They are. Because oftentimes transitions include a death. A death of something. Whether it's the death of a friendship. And transitions can be painful. When we left town, Kong, it was like, they were saying, well, why? Why are you leaving us, Pastor? You've only been here three years. Well, you know, why are you leaving now? And to, at the airport, leave some people who... Knowingly that we will probably never see again this side of heaven, and transitions are painful. Uh, transitions are are, uh, are scary because we don't know what lies on the other side. It's like God, why are you calling us here to Sheboygan? What is it you have in mind for us here in Sheboygan? What do you have in mind for Rise Church? And for some of you, you're saying, "I don't, I don't know what the future is going to hold, and I don't know if I want to be part of the future." It's scary. Transitions can also be messy, can't they? They can be really messy. And transitions can also be exciting. Because here's where I'm going this morning. Transitions have two, two sides of them. There's an outward side of it and there's an inward side of it. And the outward side of it, God is the one who often, God often, transition often happens as a result of God's moving in our lives. Because he is seeking to bring light into darkness. Think about that for a rise. Think about that for you in transition where you're at right now. God's seeking to bring light into the darkness. But that's the outward side of it. The inward side of it would be that God is seeking to deepen our faith and our trust in him in that time of transition. Because these times of transition, they're scary. They're really scary. And for the nation of Israel, they're standing on the brink of a major transition. Moses, their leader, is dead. He's gone. And now Joshua has been put in in charge. Joshua is the aide to Moses. He's been following him. And what you see is that transitions often begin with God, with a move of God. Moses is dead. Why is Moses dead? We heard last week, or why is Moses not in the lead? And we heard last week, Pastor Chris did a good job of explaining that. But we also see in verse, well, let me start out with verse 1 and 2. It says there, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, get that. Even after what we're going to hear next, what is Moses called? He's called the servant of the Lord. And he said, Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Now, here's something that you who have done experiencing God know the next statement. Did Joshua know that it was God who was speaking to him? Hey, you guys, this is an all play. Did, God, did Joshua know that God was speaking to him? Yes. And once you know what it is that God is saying to you, the next thing that you do deter- <clears throat> <Excuse me. clears throat> determines what you believe about God. When you know that it is God that is speaking to you, the next thing that you do determines what it is you believe about God. And Joshua heard from the Lord. Why is Moses not there? <clears throat> this is a key one. Numbers chapter 20, <clears throat> but the Lord said to Moses, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land. And you want to say, God, it's a little harsh. What's the backstory to this? The people of Israel, I mean, they're not the easiest group to lead, are they? At one point they're called what? They're called the rabble, aren't they? I mean, this is a ragtag bunch of people that the first thing out of their mouth normally is to complain and to gripe. And I know we never complain and gripe about anything, right? I mean, what is it that comes first out of your mouth? And these guys, they're griping and complaining. But put yourself in their shoes. Manna? Seriously? 40 years of manna? I mean, after a while, it just must have gotten old. And then God puts them in a situation where there's no water. And they come back to Moses and they say, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're dying of thirst here. And Moses goes before the Lord and the Lord said what? This is the second time this happened. He says to him, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. And Moses goes out and he with Aaron and he says, thanks, thanks Rhonda. And Moses goes out, and he says to the people, must we bring water out of the rock for you? And what does he do? He takes the rod, which is the symbol of the authority of God, and he strikes the rock. And the water comes out. But God says, you cross the line. You cross the line. You will not bring these people into the promised land. Big deal. It is a big deal. It's a big deal to walk in holiness. It's a big deal to reverence God, to revere God. That's a big deal. God looks at it in a big way. And Moses is not allowed to bring the nation in. Transitions begin usually with an end. Transitions usually begin with an end. An ending that's often initiated by God. Joshua knew that it was God who was speaking to him. And what he did next determined what it is that he believed about God. But how do we know when God is moving? How do you know? I mean, sometimes just bad onions. I mean, how do you know when when it is that God is leading you in your life? Oftentimes it begins with a restlessness in your spirit that God is moving. When we, let me take you back a year, a little more than a year, when we were in Hong Kong. We were walking, Beck and I were walking by by the ocean, and I said, Hey, we need to begin praying because in in a short time I'm gonna have to give notice to the to the elders of my intent to stay in Hong Kong or to to renew my contract. We were on a contract every two years, and I was did I want to renew that contract or was I gonna end the contract? And I said, We need to begin praying because we have to give them three months notice. And as we began to pray, in October of, of last year. As I'm reading, three times in, in my reading, God spoke to me very clearly about returning home, returning home to my father, and returning home to the land of, of, my, of my ancestors, which was Wisconsin. I hadn't been home in 40 years. I hadn't lived in Wisconsin for 40 years. But here's the thing, whenever God says something, in Hebrew, here's a geek moment, in Hebrew, whenever God repeats something in a short proximity of time, it's there for emphasis. And three times they came up there. And so when I said to Beck, I said, hey, this is what I'm hearing from the Lord. And make sure when you are in a sense, when you are sensing transition, when you are sensing direction from the Lord, always, always hear this, always get your direction from the word. I saw a billboard. It said, follow your heart. Terrible advice. <laughs> the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can who know it? Don't trust your heart. Go back to the Lord. And spend time in fasting and praying before the Lord. Lord, what do you want? That's going to be the whole theme of our Advent. Lord, what do you want? Because it's not about what I want. We gave up that right the day that we prayed to receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. It's called sovereignty. That he is sovereign over our lives. And so we began to pray. And I told Beck, she's like, nah, I, don't, I don't think so. We just got here, and there were two major things going on. We were, one of, we were a daughter church. We were one of 26 daughter churches of the mother church. We were the only one that spoke English. We were the international church. And we were coming out from underneath their, their, their auto, or we, be, we were becoming autonomous. We were becoming our own church. Still staying CMA, but we were becoming our own church. We were able to um, have a little bit more uh, freedom in the way in which we, we did things. On top of that, we were moving. We were moving from worshiping in a cafeteria. Thank the Lord for where you're worshiping. I I don't see rats running in on a Sunday morning because we were in a cafeteria. I mean, it was a cafeteria all week long, and then we moved in on Sunday morning. It was a tough thing to do. They'd done it for over 13 years in that place. And we were moving to a state-of-the-art theater. Beautiful. They're there this Sunday. They've been there now three weeks and all of the stuff that was involved with that, it was like there was no way that we could leave. And Beck said, if God's telling you this, then he's going to tell me that as well. And he did. And where he confirmed it, and this is where you go on, God will always speak through his word. You who study experiencing God know that, that God speaks by the Holy Spirit through what? Through prayer, through the Bible, through, through, um, in prayer, in the word, in Ah, there's two other ones that I'm forgetting what they are. But God speaks through his word. And you go back to the word of God to lead. So are you in a time of transition? Pray. Pray and ask God to confirm that. Don't go on your own, but pray and ask God to confirm that. And can I add another wrinkle to that? Fast. Okay? Going without a meal for some of us is not going to kill us, okay? We we think that it will, but it's not going to. But there's something about fasting and praying, and as I'm looking around, I'm not looking at you guys, I'm not judging, but as you fast and you pray, there's something about fasting that touches the heart of God. As you take time to just fast and say, God, what is your will? What is your will, and what is not my will? You know, but what about what about when we transition, when we listen to God, and then we walk through a painful time? I mean, Think of Elijah. God sends him out into the wilderness. And he knows, hey, this is where I'm supposed to be. And then what does it say? The brook dries up. Okay, what are you supposed to do with that? You walk through a painful time. You, you, you did what God told you to do. And yet you're walking through a painful time. What do you do in those situations? When, when you've moved, and you've moved your kids And you've done what God told you to do and you get there and it's just one heartache after another. What do you do in the midst of those times? Remember what it is that God's doing in the midst of transition? He's bringing light into the darkness. And then he's also developing faith and trust in us, isn't he? What do you do in those times? Because some of us, we've been uh, been living our life and things have been going well. And all of a sudden we go to the doctor because he's got a little bit of a pain. and And he says he got the C word. I mean, you got, you got cancer. It's like all of a sudden now your life is in a huge transition. What do you do? You and your husband, you had this child and you, you love this child with all your heart. But it's like I have no freedom anymore in my life. It's just like everything and this kid on top of it has got colic. It's like what do I do? And God, what do I do in the midst of this situation? And here's your next slide. You go back to God. And you ask God, God, would you help me to see this from your vantage point? Lord, would you help me to see this from your vantage point? Because does God do things that, hey, hey, let me just back up. I hear this phrase from time to time. I was getting my hair cut a few weeks ago, and the the lady cut my hair. She said, well, I guess you know that as as a pastor that God will never give you more than what you can handle. (laughs) That is absolutely not, boy, what a, what a segue to just why. I said, you know, I don't know that I agree with that. And here's why. Does God give us more than we can handle? All the time. Why? So that when he does what only he can do, he's the only one who gets the glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's why God, we go back to God and say, God, I don't understand this. God, this hurts. This really hurts. This isn't what I signed up for. Lord, would you help me to understand this from your vantage point? I'll sit down, I'll shut up, and I'll listen to the Lord what it is that you want to say to me in the midst of this time. And watch to see what God says. But you know, sometimes, sometimes transitions aren't of the Lord. Sometimes they're not of the Lord. Some of you have been in a, in a marital relationship and your, your spouse has walked out. What was that of the Lord? You're at your job one day and you just, you've just you had it. You're fed up. I'm done. You walk out and you say, enough of this. I don't want this job. And all of a sudden you realize, ooh, I don't have a job now. What was, was that of the Lord? And certain transitions aren't of the Lord. But here's the hope. Some of you may be recovering from an addiction and, and, and you relapse. And you say, man, what am I doing? And the hope in all this is this, that God can redeem even that, can he? In the book of Joel, the book of Joel, it says, God can redeem the years that the locusts have eaten. Even in that mess, God can take that. God is the ultimate recycler. He takes things that are a mess and he takes things that we wouldn't even look at and he turns them for his glory, doesn't he? Can he work in the midst of those situations? He can, but the question is, Will I come to him in in an attitude of repentance and humility? For some of us, before we hit the end of the parking lot today, we need to do some business with the Lord. And saying, God, I, I screwed up. And Lord, I have made a mess of things for myself and for my family. And Lord, I don't know how to work this out. But Lord, in humility, I fall before you and I ask God, would you work in the midst of this? I don't know how, but God, would you work in the midst of this to bring glory to your name? That's the key. Humility and whose glory are we seeking it for? God can work in the midst of that. Amen. Some uh, transitions of the Lord. The next slide, the transitions that the Lord initiates have a divine end in mind. Why in the world, why in the world was God calling them? Why in the world was God calling the Israelites? Because look at, look at verse 3 and 4. It says in, ver, in verse 3 and 4, and I don't have 3 and 4 written down here. Why not? Okay. There. As I will give you every place where you set your foot, and as I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, and to the great sea on the west. Is this a big territory? It's enormous. This will, never be, this will never be done until King Solomon, until King Solomon's time. This was huge, what God was asking them to do. He said, what did he say? I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Listen to this. God is a God who keeps his promises, amen? Yeah. When we go to God's word and you encounter a promise from God, count on it. That God is going to fulfill that promise. When my kids were little, I'd be working at my desk and then one of them would come up and they'd start talking to my ear and all of a sudden they'd come back in the office and they'd say, okay, Daddy, we're ready to go. Go where? Well, you said we were going to do this. I said, when did I say that? When you you said this over here before when I was talking to you. I wasn't even hearing what they were saying. And I I realized very, very quickly that I got to watch what it is and listen to what it is that they're saying because they knew that if Daddy said this, He was going to do it. If God says it, he's going to do it. All the promises of God are what? Are yes and amen. In whom? In Christ. He had, God had every intention of giving to the Israelites this land. And where did this begin? Did this just begin with Moses? Go back a little bit further to Abraham. Because he says Abraham is going to be a blessing to all the nations. And you know when you think about it, when you think about this divine end in mind, why there? Why here? Why has God put us here? Why did God take Israel and put them there? Why at that specific place? Because where are they gonna cross over at? At Jericho. And we know when they're gonna cross over, and it's gonna be at what time? When when the river is at flood stage, and where, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm having a tough time this morning. <clears throat> and where they cross over, it's very very sheer cliffs. I mean, only God is going to be able to do what He's going to do in this in this time. And when they cross over, why did God have them cross over at that place? This is really key, because what is it about transition? What's the outward side of it? To bring light into darkness. Say that with me. To bring light into darkness. So why there? Jericho sits on a road. We know it's called the Jericho Road. Major road. Because it links up with two major trade routes that come out, that come out of what we would know as modern day Iran, Iraq area, that Mesopotamia area. They come down and they avoid the desert to the east side of, of, of Israel. And they come down right through Israel and right down into Egypt. Whoever controls the trade routes controls the culture and controls the thinking of the people. Why did God want his people there? He wanted them to be light in the midst of the darkness. He wanted them to be light in the midst of the darkness. That's why he brings them there. Whoever controls that, he wasn't, he was not only just concerned about the people who lived there, but think of all the people who travel through there. And the people who are going to go back and say, you know, those people in Israel, they worship like only one God. And you know, the, the promiscuity that we see around our worship, they, they don't do that. And they do stuff like forgive. And they don't sacrifice their kids in a fire. They're they're, they're kind. What God was wanting was for the people around them to see that he alone was God and to see the difference that light makes in the darkness. And I think about what happens eventually with the nation of Israel. Because as you read through the book of Joshua, some of the territory is not taken. And where do some of the people end up? They end up in the mountains, in the hills. And they relegate the valleys to the pagan people that are there. So who controls the thought and the culture? Not the Israelites, but the people around. So the question we need to be asking Arise Church is, so God, why here? As a church, we, okay, when well, I say we, I mean we, not we, not us like, because oftentimes in church it's just like this little section here. We'll, we'll relegate the praying and we'll re- relegate the duty to, to this little section here while the rest of us will just kind of watch. I, I don't think so. I think that day has come and gone because God was calling the nation to cross over into the promised land. God is not calling just we, just this little section here, to cross in. God is calling us to, to cross over into the promised land. Because here's the thing the gifts of the Spirit, you know, there are things like prophecy, there's gifts like healing, there's discernment, there's uh, uh, evangelism, all these different gifts. Of all the gifts that are given, I know there is one that is not given, but is oftentimes used in church, and it's the gift of bench warming. Okay, you, you know, we, we don't have the gift of benchwarming. If you're a part of a rise church, God is saying you are a steward of everything that it is that I've given you. Those gifts I gave to you, I gave them to get in the game. Those talents I gave you, I gave them to get into the game. I gave them to you so you could be light and salt in the, way, in the place where you're at. There's an outward dimension to trans- transition. And so that was the transition. And so, what is God doing with our eyes? The next slide God made a promise. And where God leads, he goes ahead, doesn't he? You know, we were led as a church, and I, I'm going to put me, we in this, this was before I came here, but we were led as a church. Here. To this place, God led you very, very clearly to this place. Why? Because it's where God's at work. Every place that God calls you to, He's already at work. Where you work at your job, God is at work. Jesus said, my father is always at his work, even to this very day. Every single person that you will encounter this week, this day, every single person that you see drive through here, every person that when you watch the Packer game today, and why on earth would we watch it? though? But every person that you see in the stands is somebody in whose life God is at work. And you may say, well, I don't believe in God. That doesn't matter. God believes in you and God is seeking to have a relationship with you. A relationship that is real and is personal and is based upon his love. God is working in every single person's life. Every person in this area, God is at work in their lives. He's already here. He's already doing things. Case in point, I, go, I live over on, uh, on 6th Street, North 6th Street in the condos. Um, was it? Landmark Square. I feel like we're the youngest people in that place. Yeah. We, we, we live over there and we're close to the library, and so I'm going to go get a library card. I walk into the library and I know that they're going to ask me for proof of residence. So I walk into there and I hand this guy, I see the guy's name is John. And I say, oh, good morning, John. And I hand him, he said, proof of residence. And I hand him my, my envelope. He looks at it and he says, Watertown. I, I gave him the wrong one. I was going to give him the one from the title company that I knew at least that had our right address. And he said, Watertown. He said, I grew up in Watertown. And I, like, and I looked at him and it's like, he's about my age. And I said, John, what's your last name? And he told me. And it's like, oh, my goodness. I had his folks on my paper route. His one brother was a class ahead of me. His other brother. I said, I'm Joel Larnke. He goes, are you Phil Lawrence's brother? And I said, yeah. He said, I sang with Phil in choir. He said, man, we had some good times together. It was like, of all the people that God could have put in my path, here's a guy from Watertown, not just from Watertown. He's my same age. And so I'm asking the question, okay, God, what are you doing? That was not a coincidence that I gave him the wrong envelope. God is behind that. God's already here. He's already working in this neighborhood. There is hurt. There's brokenness. There are things that only God can heal in this area. And he's placed us in the middle of it to be salt and to be light. Because that's what God does in the midst of transition. Amen? Amen. And here comes the command. God says, be strong and courageous. Verse 6 and 7. He says, be strong and courageous. These are, this is the fourth command now that's come. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give. Now it happens again, but he ramps it up even more. He says, be strong and very courageous. And he says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right that you may be successful wherever you go. And I read those words and I've read those words and I've read those words in the last several weeks. And it's like, Lord, I need you. I need your strength. I need your courage. I don't know Sheboygan. I don't know this church. I'm getting to know you, but I don't know, God. What is it that you're doing? God, if if you're in this, you have to lead me. You have to give me the courage. You have to give me the strength, Lord, to what it is. And I think for the same for us. Because if we think for one second that the enemy, you know, think about it. People of Israel, they crossed the Jordan River. Did the people in that area, did they see that it happened? Yeah, because what happens in Jericho? Their hearts were melting with fear, weren't they? They'd seen what had happened. Do we think for a second that the enemy is just going to turn tail and say, oh yeah, here, here, go ahead. The people of those cities were going to open the gates and say, hey, here you go, here's our cities. Not in your life, they were going to fight it. Why do we need courage? Why do we need strength? Because the enemy is not going to give up this territory. This has been his. But we stand here and we say, we are standing on holy ground. This is ground that has been marked out for the Lord. We are in the land now. And God, what is it that you are wanting to do in and through us in this land? We need to be strong and courageous. Because there are going to come times that are absolutely going to scare us. Because the enemy, he doesn't want us here. And he says, be careful. Be careful to do and be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. This is huge. When God says something, okay, let me back up one step. If we're not spending time in God's word, are we honestly growing? No, we're not. Can I encourage you, and you, don't, you don't know me yet, but can I encourage you as strongly as possible that if you don't have a regular habit of reading God's word that, that you begin, you say, where do, where do I begin? I had this conversation with my cousin just a, a few weeks ago. So where, where do I begin with this? And there's apps for you who are younger. I mean, begin with the you version. You know, what, what, I, what I would say is you don't need a steak in one bite. You eat it in small bites. And some of us, we're going to begin, and I'm going to read six chapters a day. And then you get to Leviticus. It's like, oh my word, what what is up with this? Start small, but start. I said, God, as I come before your word today, this is huge. When you're reading God's word, ask the Lord, God, what is it that you are seeking to tell me today from your word? Lord, How is it that you are showing me who you are in this word? And Lord, what would you have me to do? I guarantee you, he will show you. The question is, will we obey? The question is, will we obey? Whoever has my commands and obeys them, Jesus said, is the one who who loves me. Henry Blackaby said that if you're having trouble obeying God, It's not an obedience problem. It's a love problem. Wherewithal shall a man keep his way pure? By keeping God's word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He says, keep the word. You stay close to the word because the word is going to direct you in what it is you should do. And then he says, you will be be successful wherever you go. Another place says you're going to be prosperous. Great, does that mean that all my, all my troubles are over, right? And I'm going to be able to be taken care of financially. Mm, that's not what he meant. Because how does God grade success? He grades success through faithfulness. It's not on results. God's looking for fruit. But sometimes that fruit is in our lives. God looks at faithfulness in the past in the churches that i've been part of it's always been interesting to see how god brings people to the lord and in other places that i've pastored we've seen people come to the lord so when i went to hong kong i you know fully expected to see people come to the lord guess how many people came to the lord while i was in hong kong zero <laughs> i'm like lord what, what's going on here I'm preaching your word as faithfully as I know how. And I'm giving an invitation and allowing people to to respond to you. And I get nothing. And the comment back was, did you do what I told you to do? Then leave the results to me. You do what God tells you to do and you leave the results to God. Because not every heart will change. But you do what God tells you to do. Let me move on. I'm getting a little long here. Um, to follow God involves obedience and trust. To follow God involves obedience and trust. That's what he's seeking to do in the midst of transition. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? When we moved from Montana to, to Minnesota... My daughter was getting ready to go into her senior year of high school, and there are a lot of us who would say, "No, no, 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 no. We'll we'll wait a year. We'll let her get through her senior year of high school, and then, and then we'll do what it is." And I remember leaving that church when we candidated there in Detroit Lakes. And sis, she said to us, you know, she said, "There." She came into our room crying one night because she said. The kids in the youth group are so little. They're so young. She was coming from an extremely strong youth group, good worship leader, good youth leader, and a ton of really good friends. And she's leaving all that. And she's crying, and she said to us on the way back that if this is what God is leading you guys to do, then I'll join you in it. I'll, I'm in. And I thought, way to go. Way to go, sis. And God built faith and trust in her as well in that time. And God is building faith and trust in us. Will we trust God? Will we be obedient to him in what he asks us to do? He says, lastly, next slide, please. Next slide, please. He says, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Over 90 times in the Old Testament. Here's where I go back to that little geek lesson. Whenever God says something over and over and over again, it's there for emphasis. 90 times God tells us, don't be afraid. Why? Because fear takes the focus off of God. Fear takes your focus off of God and puts it onto your situation. Fear says, I can't do this. And we have a God who says, wherever I call you, I go with you. As I was with Moses I will be with you, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Fear takes, your foc- fear takes your focus off of God and puts it on the situation. The next slide, please. He says, do not be discouraged. Discouragement is a tool of the enemy. Anybody had a discouraging thing happen in the last, last several weeks? Yeah, yeah. Discouragement is a tool of the enemy because it gets us to doubt God's goodness. And when we walk through discouragement, the enemy whispers in error, How could a loving God do that? I mean, you're being faithful to him. You're doing what God's calling you to do. How can a loving God do that? Here's the thing discouragement is the loss of all hope. That's literally what the word means to be discouraged, is to lose all hope. Last I checked, God is still on the throne. And he's not moving. He reigns. And we know how things turn out, don't we? And times of discouragement come, but here's the thing. The one who called us is faithful. The next slide. The one who called us is faithful. He'll do it. Do you believe that? You don't seem all that sure. The one who called us is faithful. He'll do it he'll do it he'll do it how through us through us that that just blows my mind that god would seek to use people like us to bring the light and when i say us i don't mean us i mean us okay it's time it's time to get into the game. To get into what it is. Because fear says you can't. Discouragement says you don't have the time. You don't, if you get into this, this is what's going to happen. But the one who called you is faithful. And it's our responsibility to be obedient and to trust God. When we're walking through those times. And here's the last thing. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. This isn't the first time Joshua heard this. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And Joshua hears this for the first time from Moses. And now God is the one who is reiterating this. And when God says something like this, he means it. He says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He says, I will be with you wherever it is that you go. I will be with you. We are not alone in this battle, are we? It says in the scriptures that God exerted his power when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. And then it says in chapter 2 of Ephesians that we we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Do we understand what that means? Jesus said, when he left this earth, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go. When we go out and when we do what it is that God is calling us to do, who goes with us? God goes with us. Whose authority goes with us? God's authority goes with us. When a policeman goes out into the middle of the road and stands and puts his hand out like this, cars stop. Why? Not because of the guy, but because of the authority. You carry the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you go out and as you minister, you are a servant of the Most High God. God's word says that for as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right, the Greek word is exousia, the authority to become the children of God. Do we understand that as we go out, we can come against the authorities and against the powers in the name and in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ? And will they obey? See, this is the thing the enemy doesn't want us to know. He doesn't want us to know that we have authority. He doesn't want us to know that in the name of Jesus we can do things. He wants to keep us bound. But God wants to do something more. What does he want to do? He wants to turn this neighborhood upside down. Because he wants to bring light and salt into this place. That's what God's wanting to do. Okay, so the question now is, what's my part? Because remember, it's us. The nation of Israel crossed into the promised land. The nation of Israel. Now you can say, yeah, yeah, but what about the tribe of Reuben? (laughs) (laughs) The nation of Israel crossed into the promised land. God called them to go into the promised land and they went. Were they always obedient? Did they always do what God? Not always. But when they listened to God, were they successful? Walls came down, didn't they? What's going to happen when Arise rise listens to God? And we do what it is that God is calling us. We. We do what God is calling us. So what's my part? What's, what's my part? Have you asked God? Have you asked God, God, what is it that you want me to do? What talents and gifts have you given me that he is calling you to get into the game? You say, well, I, I, I got this little talent here. I don't know how the Lord could ever use that. Ask him. Put it into his hands and see what's what he can do with it. But the thing of it is, for us to do what it is that God is calling us to do, we need to move as a church. And join God in what he's already doing in this neighborhood. And praying. My first thing that I'm going to ask you to do is to pray. To begin praying and asking God, God, would you open the hearts of the people here in this neighborhood? And would you reveal to us, Lord, where it is that your work? Because the leadership, they don't know this yet, but we're going to be talking about this, that we're going to be seeking the Lord. God, what is it? What is your vision for us here in this area? And Lord, how do you want us to join you in what it is that you're doing? And when we know, we're going to come back to you and say, this is where we feel God is leading us. Are you in? Are you in? Let's do it, yes. Let's do it. But let's do it in the strength and in the power and in the leading of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, for the Lord your God will be with you. Wherever it is that you go. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Lord God, in Jesus' name, I come before you. And as a rise church, we stand at a crossroads. We see that, Lord, you have led us with an amazing shepherd. And Lord, now you have placed a mantle of leadership on another shepherd. And God, as we move into this time, there's a lot of uncertainty. But we are certain of the fact that God, you called us here. We're certain of the fact of your leading and your being with us, and your strength and your power. And God, we are certain of the fact that you desire to bring light into this area. Lord God, would you do in this area what is only possible through the power of God? And Lord, would you show us what our part is? How it is that, Lord, you are calling us to get into the game. I pray, God, for a season of of just the openness of our hearts and our minds for what it is that, Lord, you want. I also pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by his authority that the power of the evil one that would seek to keep this church from moving forward would be bound in the name of Jesus. Jesus. And, Lord, you said that whatsoever things are bound in this earth will, will be bound. Whatsoever things are loosed in the heavens will be loosed. Father, I pray that you would loose in our midst an overwhelming desire to see your work here. God, would you give us a passion for your word? Would you give us a passion for the souls of those who don't know you? Lord, you're already at work here. Open our eyes, open our hearts to what it is you're doing, God. And give us the courage and the strength to move forward to do what you're calling us. Lord, for some of us, we are in transition. Health-wise, finances, things going on in our marriage. We're empty nesters for the first time. Any number of things. And God, in the midst of this transition, I pray that, Lord, you would show yourself to be who you are. You're a God who doesn't change. Lord, some of us are in transition because of things we've done. And you are the God who can restore the years of the locust of Eden. Amen. And I pray that, God, you would meet us as we move in humility and repentance and brokenness before you. I pray that you would take these things and you would use them to bring glory to your name. I pray, God, your blessing, your rich blessing over each one. And I pray, God, for your continued work in our lives. And ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and receive the blessing this morning from the Lord? May the Lord God, the God who said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. May he be the one that goes with you. May you be strong and courageous in the strength and in the power of the Lord. And may you come to know him. The God of Moses The God of Abraham, may he be your God as well. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen. Amen. Go in the strength and power of the Lord. We'll see you next week. We're blessed. Number 10, 10, we're not alone.